Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Red Legs Radio with Ben Hook. Thanks to Palmerbet. Play the punting advantage this footy season. Gamble responsibly. Call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858. And Climate Air Conditioning. Climate Air Conditioning and Solar. Simply the best. Hi there, once again, Red and Blue Army. We appreciate your company on Red Legs Radio. This is episode 12 and ahead of us might be our biggest show yet. The guest list is A1. Brad McKenzie to take us through the season so far and look ahead to tomorrow night's big game against the Double Blues at Coopers. Looking forward to chatting to the dual best and fairest at the football club. He is up in just a minute's time. Don Barry, he'll be in the studio a little bit later on. Maybe even with his mother, she designed the club's 2021 Indigenous Guernsey. Looking forward to a chat with Dom Barry, of course. Melbourne footballer, Port Adelaide footballer, and now at the Norwood Football Club. And uh, what a great influence he is having. And for those of you who are fans of my vintage at the Norwood Football Club and beyond, what a treat we have for you. John Wynn, the great 2-8 to relive the 1978 grand final against Sturt when the legs came from 29 points down at three-quarter time to overcome the double blues by a point. It was an amazing game. It was an amazing era for the Norwood Football Club. And if you're like me, who can remember back all that way, then uh, you're in for a treat a little bit later on when we catch up with John Wynn. So we are back at home tomorrow. It's our second home game in six days. The Legs, they've won their last two. They sit fourth, seven wins from 11 games. Uh, And with a win, they'll be third by the close of the weekend. Of course, they'll jump the loser of the South Eagles clash. And a win also will as good as dash Dirt's top five hopes. The Blues are currently sitting in seventh. They've also been in pretty good form. They had wins over Port and South in the last fortnight. So let's get into it. We are about to chat to the club's jewel and reigning Michael Taylor medalist. He's playing against his former club, Brad McKenzie. Welcome back to Redlegs Radio. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on board, mate. Hey, I'll tell you what, I've been watching this, the team very closely. was out there uh, at uh, Cooper Stadium for the game against Central District. Uh, outstanding first quarter, which we'll talk about. But overall, mate, the team spirit just looks like it's as good as it's been in a long time at the Norwood Footy Club. Uh, yeah, no, nah, for sure. Um, we're having a pretty good year um, at the moment. And, you know, we're just continuing to learn as a group and, We've probably got the youngest side that I've ever played with since being back at Nord um, in the last five years. So to be getting results on the board with um, such a young squad, uh, it's encouraging signs um, for the footy club, which is nice. Brad, you're um, you're looking extremely fit, mate. Not that you were a, a big bloke by any stretch last year, but I tell you what, I reckon you've dropped a couple of short sizes. The Guernsey on you, it's a snug one, mate. Um, you're fitting into a, looks like a, a medium to small there at the moment. Just tell us a little bit about uh, what you did over the off-season to get yourself in such amazing shape. 
Yeah, um, no, obviously I've uh, shedded a few kilos um, last year. Um, I had that sort of key role last year down back and, um, you know, had to be sort of a bigger body. But, you know, I was discussed with Twig pretty early on in the pre-season um, about getting me further up the ground, uh, back onto the wing and sort of stuff. So I sort of had to, you know, work harder, look what I look after what I eat. Um, and, yeah, I ended up losing a few and, I think I ended up doing my best uh, 2K time trial since being back at the club as well. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was very good. And, yeah, no, enjoying it further up the ground. Brad, just explain a little bit about the decision to go from deep in defence up and towards the midfield. You'd won two Michael Taylor medals back-to-back as a key defender. What was the impetus for getting back up the ground? Um, yeah, no, obviously I uh, enjoyed the roll back down there and, Obviously played some of the best footy I've ever played um, throughout my career. Um, but, yeah, no, I just... I think uh, I was under um, Twig's brother, Brady Rawlings, when I was at North Melbourne, and I sort of went there as a midfielder. Um, and I know Twig's mentioned a few times, Brady said I used to be OK in the midfield. So I think Twig was pretty keen to get me um, further up the ground and, and explore um, a different area for me for the game. Um and, you know, it's allowed sort of younger blokes to come into the team like Jack Hurd and, and Cam Ball starting to really cement his spots and um, they're doing really well down back. So um, I'm really enjoying it up on the wing. Uh, it's, I haven't been there since junior days, as I said, but, um, yeah, no, nah, it's going really well. Is that something that Twig has tried to encourage from all of the players? I saw Jacob Kennelly do a shutdown role on Bryce Gibbs a fortnight. It might have been three weeks ago now because there's been a buy in between. But is that, and it seems like you've rolled back from time to time and spent some time in defence as well. So, is there a time and a place for everyone have to do a job maybe that is over and above working through the midfield? Um, yeah, for sure. I think uh, Twig's just giving us, uh, uh, you know, new roles each um, every week, and uh, you know, everyone's just playing their role um, for the team, and whatever they get given by Twig, um, everyone seems to be doing doing it to the best of their ability. So. Um, that's really encouraging, and that's something we've really worked on this season. Is you know we, we really want to um, play as a team, no individual. We're not relying on any individuals to really have a cracking game for us to get over the line. We're just sort of trying to win every game as a team, and um, I think it's putting us in pretty good stead. Your fifth year at the club now, Brad. How has the club evolved over that time? Obviously, you've seen um, a new coach uh, with Twig taking over from Jared Cotton at the end of last year. But how has the club in general terms evolved in your time at the footy club? Um, yeah, obviously, like I said, uh, it's, it's probably um, the youngest side I've ever played with um, in the five years that I've been there. Uh, when I got back there, well, when I come back from Melbourne, there was sort of, you know, Alex Giorgio's, Jace Bowes, um, and all, you know, your premiership uh, players, I suppose, um, still playing there. So over the, you know, the few years, they've all sort of um, filtered out and a lot of young boys are starting to get a crack now. And, um, yeah, no, it's a really good feeling around the club at the moment. You know, everyone's going to get an opportunity um, and that time will come. So, uh, yeah, no, it's good, good spirits of the club at the moment. Matty Nunn, uh, I've always understood him as being the team's greatest pest. Now he's the captain of the club, and it looks from the outside, Brad, that he's doing an outstanding job uh, of leading the group. Just describe a bit about his development over the last couple of years. Yeah, nah, for sure. Um, you know, Nunn always 
love to chirp away and um, he's always been loud at trainings and uh, but no yeah, he's really matured probably the last especially over the last year really really matured um, as a person and as a player and um, yeah no he's doing a great job for the boys at the moment um, it was unfortunate for Noss to have his knee last year and obviously can't take part this year so Nunny's had to step up and he's doing a great job um, I'm pretty sure all the boys are stoked with what he's doing um, he's leading the boys and um, he's playing pretty pretty footy when he's uh, not injured, so that's uh, that's handy as well. What about almost the second coming of Mitch Grigg dropped at the end of round four, and that was a surprise to all of us fans to see uh, Mitch Grigg back in the reserves. I mean, two McGarry medals. He's just a, an absolute gun of the football club and of the league. Um, just describe the way he's bounced back over the last three or four weeks. Yeah, no, obviously you don't really expect a uh, two-time McGarry medalist or first winner to sort of go back down there um, but you know he's, he handled it really well uh, he went back for I think two weeks and really mature um, went through a few things with Twig and worked on what he needed to needed to do and he's come back and probably been our best player almost um, since he's been back in the side so yeah no he's really mature about it and handled it really well and um, I think the boys really loved having him back in the side Brad, you're a former Sturt boy uh, before you went off and uh, had those four seasons at North Melbourne. Does this game personally mean a little bit more for you when you're playing against your old club? Uh, not not really. I mean, when I was there, there's still only a, probably a handful of blokes that I ever played with when I was at Sturt. Um, uh, it was a great club playing my juniors for, but I've obviously been back at North for five years now, so I've played them quite a few times and um, yeah there's no animosity or anything there so I quite enjoy uh, playing them um, it's always quite a tough tough game they're always such a hard team to beat and you know they've come off two really good wins the last couple of weeks so I'm sure they're going to be really up for it on Friday night and we're going to have to be at our best uh, to beat them so it should be good. I'm interested in the decision you made to come back uh, when you did make the decision to come back to South Australia to choose Norwood over Sturt Sturt at the end of 2016, they won a premiership. Of course, they won one in 2017 as well. And for uh, someone such as you coming back from the AFL competition, I wondered whether the appeal of uh, walking back into a premiership side might have uh, swayed you over. But what was what was the decision behind joining Norwood over Sturt when you made your way back from the AFL? Yeah, no. When I when I uh, finished in North Melbourne, I was actually what mentally drained from the being in the AFL system mm. um, and I just wanted a pretty fresh start like uh, I'd been at Sturt before and I sort of knew a lot of the boys there but um, I was really looking for somewhere brand new um, and I obviously had some really great mates at Nord as well in Alex Forster and Anthony Giannini and um, a few other boys that are not there anymore but that was a real draw card to get me back as well. I wanted to play with some, um, some of my best mates and uh, yeah, no, nah, just Pretty much just wanted to start something fresh and something new. And I always lived at the top of the parade when I was younger. And I loved going to watch uh, Friday night footy there. Mm. Um, and, you know, I love playing footy there as well. So that was pretty ma- that was mainly the uh, draw card for me to come back. So. And, of course, a massive Friday night game tomorrow night, Brad. Uh, we take on the Double Blues. And I imagine uh, you have a very clear understanding of uh, where you've got yourselves into and how much the season opens up with a win tomorrow night. Yeah, for sure. Um, We've put ourselves in a really good position. I think we're equal second now 
uh, with Eagles and South. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Sturt have had two very, very good wins the last two weeks. So, like I said before, it's not going to be an easy game um, by all means, but we're going to have to be at our very best tomorrow night. And um, it's always a tough, tough game against the Blues. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we've got a pretty good team going into the, into the um, game. Um, and, yeah, it should be a good one. Just very quickly, on last week, uh, I can't let you go without just touching on it. It was such an emotional day. Chris Grigg uh, led the team out, the father of Mitch Grigg, who is uh, in his battle with motor neurone disease at the moment. Uh, gee, did the boys respond, Brad? I mean, that first quarter was absolutely outstanding. 31-point lead at quarter time. Went on to win by only 30 points. That was all done in the first term. I mean, in isolation, a fast start is so important. But when there's that much emotion around the game, you must have been really pleased with the, go- the way the guys responded. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, it's a really important game for, for Griggy's family and, and also us as a team uh, to support him and support Chris. Um, you know, it's a pretty uh, sad disease, I suppose, to see what Chris has had to go through and um, also there to be be there for Griggy as well. Uh, we really set our sights on on having a good start um, and, you know, playing as a team and really embracing the day and what it is and getting the result for the footy club and for Chris and the Greek family. So to come out and start like we did last week was really good. Um, you know, we come up, yeah, I think five goals up at, at quarter time and that ended up being the game. So it's always going to be a slog against Centrals. They're always such a tough team to beat also. Um, but, yeah, to come out and play the way we did in the first quarter and really set up the rest of the game was uh, very pleasing. Brad, so looking forward to seeing you back amongst it against the old foes, the Double Blues, on Friday Night Football at Cooper Stadium. Thanks so much for your time here on Red Legs Radio. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Brad McKenzie there, the dual best and fairest for the football club. Michael Taylor medal in 2019 and 2020 as a key defender, now doing a lot of good work in the midfield, playing around the wing. We appreciate his time. We're off to break on Red Legs Radio. On the other side, we're catching up with Dom Barry, another one of the stars of the football club. Don't go away. You're listening to Red Legs Radio. You're listening to Red Legs Radio with Ben Hook. Thanks to Climate Air Conditioning. Climate Air Conditioning and Solar. Simply the best. You're listening to Red Legs Radio with Ben Hook. Thanks to Palmerbet. Play the punting advantage this footy season. Gamble responsibly. Call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858. Welcome back to Red Legs Radio. Don Barry in the studio about to join us very shortly. First of all, a couple of quick announcements from the club. Craig Kelly, the guest speaker at the Norwood Business Lunch, Friday, July 30. Get in and book uh, norwoodfc.com.au or via the usual phone number. Uh, liquid on the lips, Barossa Boy pre-match dinner. It's uh, before the game, uh, Eagles, July 17th. Trent Burge, what an absolute gun he is. So make sure you get on board with that. A tasting of all of Trent Burge's wines from Barossa Boy, uh, including their premium lifeblood Shiraz. And I can tell you that is an amazing drop. Don't forget the Fortis and Priscilla Guernsey. It'll be re-released next week. Allows uh, supporters to purchase in time for the August 13th Fortis March. So there you are. Talking about Guernsey's, it's time to bring in our special guest, Don Barry. Don, welcome to Red Legs Radio. 
Thanks for having me, Ben. What a special uh, game this is going to be for you because uh, you and your mother have designed the Indigenous Guernsey that the boys will be wearing tomorrow night. Uh, I have got it in my hand there. I'm sure you've seen plenty of it. Um, you, firstly, you must be very, very proud of what you and your mum have put together. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's obviously a very uh, special occasion for my, my, myself and my mum and um, my family and, and everyone that's kind of... Um, associated or connected to the story in some way or to the club. So let me get this straight, and I'm going to butcher the language, I'm sure, but I'm going to have a go anyway. You're uh, from Pititinjara? Yeah. So How did um, that go? So there's two, yeah, close enough. <laughs> it's, always a, it's always a bit of a hard one to get when you first hear it. But um, yeah, so Pitinjara and Yankunjara are, are two of the language groups up in the Arnungu Pitinjara Yankunjara land. So they... Um, you know, um, you know, occupy the, the eastern side and the western side of the APY lands. And this story uh, comes from the western side of um, the Pitinjata lands. So, uh, Minima Malu, uh, which means uh, Awana footprints, is that correct? Yeah, so um, she had a Marlu Jugurba, so she was, um, her totem was uh, the Marlu, and um, they just they signify the footprints that, um, you know, because her walking and following the footprints that she was, um, you know, following in the siblings, uh, in the story in the sibling for her siblings. So I'm looking at the Guernsey now, and on the right-hand side is that uh, Malu, which is the footprints. Then we've got uh, sort of on the middle left-hand section of the Guernsey is the waterhole. So just explain the reference of that. Yeah, so she, was, uh, her and her siblings, they were all under about, you know, 14 years, 15 years of age, and they were just swimming um out, and a number of them were just swimming out in the uh, waterhole. It's not too far from Currumbee, but um, you know, being a being a young child, you know, they, uh, she was yeah quite terrified when when she separated from the group, and um, yeah, so she ended up staying after swimming at the rock uh, waterhole. She ended up staying there for a number of hours, and you know, got got found early in early hours of the morning. And the emu eggs, which is the feature of the rear side of the Guernsey. Yeah, so. Um, you know, every I guess um, every place in the APY lands is significant to uh, a story, and significant, you know, has a significant animal attached to that story. And uh, Currumbies, you know, is the the story of the the, the emu. And um, so, you know, because my nana uh, was in uh, at Currumbie during that those years when um, when she got her new name, so we thought it would be. Um, you know, important to attach her Jugurba, um, which is the Min, min Malu, um, and the Emu, to, um, you know, attach that to the Guernsey to make it represent, you know, all those, her own individual, you know, story and then the, the wider um, Kunbi story. Uh, Don, what did it mean to you to get an opportunity to be a part of the design of this Guernsey? Yeah, I think, you know, it's always, uh, it's always good to be involved in this sort of stuff because I think it opens awareness and, and um, opportunity for just a discussion and interest in people's, um, you know, I guess um, what they want to know about Aboriginal culture at large, but also, you know, those smaller sort of, um, you know, nuances of, of the particular cultures that are, all the language groups that are, you know, spread out across Australia. And, you know, we've had, you know, in the past, we've had Port Lincoln represented. We've had, you know, the Ghana represented, the Ghana area. And, you know, they each come with their own, um, you know, specific ways that, you know, they, they live, we live. And then, you know, this, this year is an opportunity for, you know, the Red Legs people, the SNFL community and, you know, the wider community to, to get a glimpse into, you know, Arnungu Pitinjara culture. 
Uh, you sound particularly f- uh, fluent in your Indigenous language. Is that something that you've really made sure you've retained? Yeah. Um, you know, we, my siblings and I, we were, you know, we kind of had a bilingual upbringing. Um, that was, you know, really stamped in from, um, you know, from my nana. She was really, you know, really proactive in making sure that we understood, you know, where we were from. We un- And my mum especially understood, you know, a lot of the language around, um, you know, around who our identity in, in the Anangupitnyara, Yanukundjara lands. And, you know, my dad was a big driver of that also, you know, like, um, you know, he basically ensured that we, you know, got uh, enough exposure to Pitnyara language and also enough exposure to English language. And, you know, they kind of just uh, worked hand in hand, you know, during our formative years. But um, now, you know, it's kind of, a, it's it's a lot more challenging when you're not, ex- you know, speaking that language all the time. So you've got to make a conscious effort to, um, you know, engage in, in talking the language, especially, you know, with my family back in the lands, you know, making phone calls and, you know, cause there's not too many Yankunjara, Pitnjara speakers down here in Adelaide, but, um, you know, just to call them and talk to them, you know, keeps the language going, I guess. Oh, well, it's, it's an absolute thrill for, for uh, supporters like me to see that, um, you've taken, uh, this time, this effort, and put this energy into this Guernsey. I know it's going to look absolutely magnificent tomorrow night. Um, just tell us about your year. I mean, it's been uh, a bit up and down, of course, uh, alongside Mitch Grid. You were left out of the side uh, at the end of round four, but you fought your way back in. You look really fit this year, Dom. So just describe your year overall. Yeah, so, um, yeah, obviously, you know, started off, um, you know, in in the side at the beginning of the year, then, um, you know, got out of the side. And I think that's, um, you know, that's, that's a that's just where the the red legs uh, team is just kind of reflective of where we're at um you know in terms of you know people young dudes uh players from coming up from the reserves are challenging for spots in the senior side and it creates a you know healthy competition within our own team and then um we you know um you know we got to stick to to um what we to drive the standards of what's expected in the in the team so um you know it's Good to be back in and, you know, looking forward to, you know, seeing how the rest of the year goes because I think we've put on some really good results. So that's a promising sign. Um, just if I can get back off football for a minute, my understanding is you have got the elite tennis game of the Norwood Football Club. You're still playing any tennis? No, nah, the tennis is, uh, you know, I haven't played tennis for a number of years now. Um, I was a, yeah, junior tennis player back in Alice Springs and actually got a scholarship to go down to um, Melbourne for Yvonne Gulagong um, Tennis Scholarship back in... 2008 or nine, I think it was, and spent a few years in Melbourne, um, yeah, playing tennis. Um, you're watching Wimbledon at the moment? Nah, actually, I really don't really focus on tennis too much anymore. I'm too busy um, studying. Well, what are you studying? Uh, psych, yeah, psychology. Did you have an exam this morning? Yeah, I did, yeah, so straight from the exam here. How did it go? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, so hopefully we'll see how, see how it all pans out. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what else we're going to look forward to seeing it all pan out is how you and the boys go tomorrow night. You have been uh, in very good form, the boys, over the last two or three weeks. A big game against the Double Blues. If we can get it done, we'll be in third position and travelling very nicely. Congratulations on the Guernsey. It looks absolutely wonderful. We are so excited to see that out in the field tomorrow night. And thanks for joining us today on Redlegs Radio. Thanks. Cheers. That's Dom Barry there, uh, the absolute star forward of the Norwood Football Club. We appreciate his company. We're off to a break. On the other side, we're catching up with Ben Cameron, and that'll be John Wynn. You're listening to Redlegs Radio. You're listening to Redlegs Radio with Ben Hook. 
Thanks to Palmerbet. Play the punting advantage this footy season. Gamble responsibly. Call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858. You're listening to Redlegs Radio with Ben Hook. Thanks to Climat Air Conditioning. Climat Air Conditioning and Solar. Simply the best. Yeah, thanks for joining us on Red Legs Radio. Ben Hook with you. I've got the People's Choice Credit Union. People's Choice Award votes. Uh, not a lot of votes over the last week or so, which means that Jackson Callow is a standout leader at the moment. Isaac Saywell on the weekend with uh, eight votes. Declan Hamilton, seven. Mitch Grigg, four. Brad McKenzie, three, along with Shenton, Talia, and Rokar. They're all three each. Harry Boy, two. Richard Douglas, one. It means Jackson Callow still leads on 221 votes. We know he's not playing another game, but it might be enough. Jacob Collins, one, 11. Isaac Saywell, 55. Rokar, 53. Cam Shenton, 19. Mitch Grigg, 17. Deck Hamilton, 13. Brad McKenzie, 10. Richard Douglas, 10. And Jacob Kennelly, eight. It's the People's Choice Credit Union, People's Choice Award. Get on board and vote. All you got to do is just click through via the Norwood Football Club Facebook page or websites. Time to go around the grounds in Sandville football. And to do that, we uh, get we bring him in, a man who I have a lot of time for. He knows everything there is to know about sport. Then he knows everything about the courts at the advertiser as well. From the advertiser, Benny Cameron, welcome back to Redlegs Radio, mate. Thanks, Hooky. I think um, sporting knowledge only extends to footy and cricket, so that's about my uh, wheelhouse, I reckon. Oh, well, we won't bother. I won't get you on board about uh, Wimbledon um, and the way that's going. I see Federer was in a bit of trouble and then uh, got a withdrawal the night before, so he'll be back on court tonight. Hey, mate, uh, where were you last weekend? Tell us a bit about your uh, your sandful travails over the last week. Yeah, I was at Westies and Adelaide, which sort of, um, I guess you could say, sort of went against what you'd expect in, in wet weather. The Crows had some pretty dominant big men in uh, Billy Frampton and um, and uh, Elliot Himmelberg, who collected uh, 18 marks between them, kicked five goals. And then you had Kieran Strawn in the ruck as well, dominating. I think his tap work was something like 41 hit-outs to 15, so totally dominated there. But um, the Crows midfielders lost the clearances. So the likes of Kane Stevens um, still got their hands on the ball, but couldn't really find uh, a strong marking target up forward. So the ball was okay. When, when the ball hit the ground, uh, the Westies looked a little bit more uh, threatening, but um, couldn't really find a marking target like the like the Crows did. So, yeah, the big men really dominated hooky uh, in, in wet weather. Mm, yeah, it was interesting as well. And uh, Hamish Latchford and Oliver Davis, I think it was, neither of them on the list, the two leading position getters for the Crows, which was interesting, I thought, too. Hamish Latchford, a lad from Sturt. Uh, I've actually played some cricket alongside Hamish at Prince Alfred, so always happy to see him getting plenty of the ball. Where are you off to this weekend, mate? Yeah, back to Westies, mate. Um, and, yeah, actually, I should mention that I spoke to Brad Gotch uh, after the game, Westies coach, and he was also very um, had a lot of praise for for the Crows uh, defence as well. Uh, young Worrell as well did quite well down back, so that was probably one of the key aspects to the game. Their their defence really held up. Uh, let's get into the sample stock market, mate. It's a favourite thing we do each week. It's thanks to Findex Financials, uh, where we buy, sell, and hold a sample stock. What would you like to buy some of this week, mate? Mate, it's hard to go past the Roosters. Mm, um, good shopping. Broken into, broken into the top five, still expecting some key players back. Um, their coach, uh, pretty pretty uh, bullish about how they're going and, and still thinks that they're a, a genuine flag uh, chance. So, um, and just looking at their form line, they've had um, four losses under the, under 10 points. So, 
Um, you know, I, I just feel that they're just they're, they're cruising along nicely. They're now back in the top bracket of teams, and they've got some very very gettable games coming up against West, the Dogs, Adelaide, and Sturt. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, and Sturt. So, um, yeah, that's it's looking good for them at the moment. Yeah, percentage at fifty five point eight, so they're travelling very nicely. I'm going to. Buy some Eagles. Uh, you know, we keep getting Glenelg wrong, and I'm happy just to accept that I'm just going to pick Glenelg the rest of the year now. I can't uh, I can't see them losing a game after that performance against the Eagles, but I do think they'll bounce back against South. I reckon South just uh, wobbling a little bit at the moment. They haven't had a great fortnight, so I'm going to buy up on the Eagles. What are you going to sell this week, Camo? Yeah, probably the, the Panthers. They're just a bit of a dip in form. They've had some injuries. I expect them to bounce back. Um, but obviously, yeah, have the Eagles this week, and then they've got Glenelg um, in a few weeks after that. So, bit of a bit of a tough few weeks coming up. So maybe just yeah, offload them for now. Mm, yeah, I mean, that, geez, they've been disappointing to me. I was really a believer in South Adelaide, and they haven't been good the last couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, they are a question mark at the moment. I'm going to sell some double blues. I reckon their finals chances get snuffed tomorrow night. I reckon Nord will get the job done at home. And uh, I reckon that'll be the end for the double blue. So even though they had a great fortnight, I'm just going to get out while the price is as high as it possibly can. Finally, mate, what are you going to hang on to? What do you reckon's worth just uh, keeping close to your chest? Mate, you sort of referred to it before. Look, I had a, I had a couple of um, cracks at uh, selling Glenelg and, <laughs> and thought they might lose to Norwood. And, you know, I wasn't far off there, but um, well, they also got the chocolates against the Eagles. So I've learnt my lesson, Hooky, and uh, I'm just going to hold on to the bays and just watch their stocks uh, continue to soar. I'm going to hold on to the Crows. Uh, well, there's a couple of things. This game may not even go ahead. We're not even sure yet whether the Glenelg-Crows game will go ahead. But yeah, after that performance against West Adelaide, I reckon they might be able to pick a few wins off before the end of the year. I think the Crows in opposite direction to Port Adelaide, who have just had so many injuries. I think we'll see the Crows just yeah win enough games to be... They won't make the finals, of course, but I think they can finish maybe. They might even sneak ahead of Port by the end of the year, so I'm going to hang on to some Crows. Right, let's do some tips very, very quickly, Camo, and then I'll let you get back on to all of the work you are doing for the advertiser. Firstly, Norwood and Sturt on Friday night. Yeah, going the legs. Sturt have been bloody brave. You know, they've lost uh, McKenzie, Johnson... Uh, the AFL system, Wilson's um, had his shoulder concerns. Mark Evans and Kirk would have retired. They still managed to uh, win the last two games. Um, so they've been bloody brave. But, yeah, it's got to be the legs, I reckon, for me. Norwood for me also. Uh, Westies and North? Yeah, it has to be, has to be North, I'd, I'd reckon. They are, um, they're, they're going well, so I expect them to bank another win on Saturday. I'll take North Adelaide. Glenelg and the Crows? Yeah, it's got to be the base. Um, Hard to go you know, past, aren't they? With their strong um, clearance game, you know, they've got the likes of Snook and Partington in the centre there. And um, the Crows having their issues in that part of the ground. So I can't see... Adelaide getting close to the base, but you never know, mate. It's been a weird week. Billy, uh, <laughs> Billy Cosby got out of jail this week, so anything's a possibility. So who knows? South and the Eagles down at Norlunga. Uh, I would be going the Eagles. Yep, Eagles. Eagles for me as well. And last one, mate, Centrals and Port Adelaide out at Elizabeth. Yeah, Port, Port's really having some issues the last couple of games. Got injuries, dropping games. Dogs are always competitive at home. And it looked like the Dogs had their chances against the Legs, mate, last week. They had 10 more inside 50. So, um, yeah, expecting Centrals to, to get over the line there. 
Ben Cameron, I completely agree with you. I reckon it'll be Central District as well. Thanks so much for your time. I think you'll be back in studio next week. Uh, so looking forward to that. Ben Cameron from The Advertiser. Thanks for your time on Redlegs Radio. Thanks, Hookie. See you next week. Ben Cameron there, of course, uh, an absolute expert when it comes to Sample Football. We appreciate his regular contributions to the show. We're off to break on the other side. We're catching up with one of the all-time greats of the Norwood Football Club, John Wynn. Don't go away. You're listening to Redlegs Radio. You're listening to Redlegs Radio with Ben Hook. Thanks to Palmerbet. Play the punting advantage this footy season. Gamble responsibly. Call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858. You're listening to Redlegs Radio with Ben Hook. Thanks to Palmerbet. Play the punting advantage this footy season. Gamble responsibly. Call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858. Yeah, thanks for your company on Red Legs Radio. We've had an amazing show. Brad McKenzie, of course, the dual Michael Taylor medalist. Don Barry has been in the studio to display the new Indigenous Guernsey. Ben Cameron from The Advertiser on board as well. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is an absolute highlight of this evening's program because we flash back in time, in particular to the 78 grand final when Norwood took on Sturt, came from 29 points down to get up by a point at the end of the game. And one of the key protagonists in Norwood's amazing performance that day was one of the heroes of the club. Number 28, John Wynn, of course, a dual premiership player, 75 and 78, captain in 75. And he's been good enough to join us on Red Legs Radio. John Wynn, welcome. Great to have you on board. Uh, I reckon you might be in Perth, mate. Is that right? Yeah, I've, uh, I moved back to Perth back in the uh, mid-80s. So, uh, yeah, and uh, that's where I am. Hey, do you... always keeping an eye on what's going on at the Red Legs, and it's always, uh, yeah, it's a big part of my life. Well, it, it absolutely is. Uh, you're a big part of the Norwood Football Club, of course. Um, yeah, so you have kept an eye on them this year. They're uh, they're travelling pretty nicely. If they win tomorrow night, they'll be they'll be up into third. So um, after a bit of a wobbly start, John, they look like they're tracking okay. Yeah, well, third's a good good spot. You get a uh, get that double chance. That's the main thing. You need that in the finals. We're of course talk, we're going to talk about the '78 uh, Grand Final. Uh, one of the Sturt heroes of 1978, of course, was Rick Davies, who also living across in Western Australia. Do your paths cross at all? Uh, occasionally we catch up, but uh, haven't for the last uh, 12 months. But uh, when, when Rick was uh, in, the, in the roofing industry, yeah, we used to catch up a fair bit. 43 uh, years, 43 years on. Uh, what are your memories of 1978? There are a number of fond memories. Um, it's, look, Norwood and, uh, and Sturt have always been, uh, the Eastern Suburbs Club, always been very close. We've always had a lot of cross-pollination of players and administrators. And both clubs have supplied a lot of administrators to the, uh, to the Sandville as well. So there's always been keen competition on the field and off the field, and uh, particularly off the field at the Arca Bar and uh, the Tinder <laughs> Hotel and the Red Legs Club. So there's always... Uh, it was always good to be involved in the competition against Sturt. Do you ever allow your mind to, um, I guess, flash back to the, the closing minutes of that 78 grand final? I actually watched the last five minutes today, John, and I'm sure it's, uh, without watching it, it's probably challenge, challenging for anyone's memory 43 years on. But do you ever allow your mind to just reflect back on the final few minutes because they were frantic? They were. Um, I, I ride. I exercise and ride my bike, and you, you tend to drift off and think about a whole range of things when you're riding, just to take uh, take your mind off it. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the the mark that Phil Gallagher was paid that's that sticks always always flashes back to me. 
Um, and the number of uh, number of points that Sturt kicked, I think they kicked about 24 points that day. It's 26, um, I think. 1426. 1426. Well, there you go. So, they, so you can't put it down to uh, one incident where we lost because they lost. They gave themselves more chance to lose it than we had a chance of winning it. Mm. So, but I think the biggest disappointment with them is that they had a great season. They had a great season, and uh, but at the same time, it was our centenary year too. Yes. And if when you look at our side, we set out. We acquired uh, Michael Noonan, uh, Butch Phyllis, uh, Brian Adamson. So we had a number of number of guys um, in that side who didn't play the whole season. So. It was uh, it was quite a it's, it was a remarkable game, a remarkable game of how it uh, how it evolved. And that's why I say the biggest disappointment is from the Sturt people because they expected to win because well that's what that's what they were the best side of all, all season. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm also reminded having watched it today that um, uh, Paul Bagshaw and Rick Davies both had shots for goal in the last ninety seconds, and Bagshaw's yep. shot was marked uh, I reckon right on the goal line by Michael Taylor. And uh, Davies had a left footer that sailed through for one behind. So, I mean, it was just absolutely on a knife edge, wasn't it? It was. It was. And uh, there was, as you say, there were so many incidences where they had a chance to win it. Um, and you know, it's a, I guess that's fun. that's what uh, that's what the game's all about. One of the that's the great thing about our game. Uh, for, for those who are listening and uh, perhaps under about 45 years of age, John, they won't be aware of what happened uh, uh, sort of the middle of the third quarter when you um, you paid a visit to Jack Odie, who was sitting on the Kurt Sturt coach's box at the time. Perhaps just uh, just steer us through what happened, uh, the events of uh, that particular point in time. Well, it was all premeditated. <laughs> the uh, Jack uh, Jack used to fire up against uh, Port Adelaide and... Uh, and, and Norwood because uh, both clubs had a few meatheads and I was one of them. <laughs> and uh, he used to uh, yeah, spin out about it. And I thought, if I get the opportunity to upset Jack, um, yeah, by all means. And uh, the opportunity came up and uh, I, I didn't say it. I just uh, ran to the coach's box and put my hands on the top of the uh, the concrete pillar there. And um, I think uh, Bob Sherman was there. I was, I was mates with Shermo. Uh, we used to knock around, knock around a bit. Uh, Teddy Bad Language was there. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just a howdy dirty boys, and everybody got fired up. So yeah, it was. Uh, if you can upset the coaches, that's fine. I, I also was involved in an incident in Western Australia. It was much the same thing, where the coaches all jumped up from the bench, and uh, you know they want to kill you. But anyway, it's uh, it's all part of uh, when you, you got to use whatever you can to your advantage. There's no there was no. Uh, I think uh, I think Teddy or I think Teddy bad language. I reckon he let one go. Um, but I, I didn't. I just uh, I didn't have to do anything. They all got fired up. So, uh, and, uh, and I, I, I think it must have had a, must have had a, an effect on on the morale or something on on people's attitude. Who knows? Who knows? Mm, but anyway, yeah. So uh, quite incredible. So uh, the ball over the boundary line. I can't remember who you were running with, John. But the ball went over the boundary line right in front of you, which was right in front of the Sturt coach's box and. The, the the camera angle never quite got it, but uh, yeah, you spent what seemed to be it's probably only two seconds, but it seemed like an inordinate amount of time in and amongst the Sturt officials yeah. there. And um, uh, yeah, as legend had it, everyone says that Jack really struggled to coach at three quarter time. He had uh, almost nothing to say. He was he was that worked up, and uh, sure enough, the legs came from twenty nine points back. Yeah, as was, was a mate like uh, Brian Adamson, uh, a couple of his goals just just made over the line. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. It's, look, we had uh, we had points. 
well, could have been points that turned out to be goals, and Sturt had a number of points that should have been goals. So it's, uh, you know, in swings and merry-go-rounds, that's what happens. I want to ask you about three names because I know that they've had a significant influence on you. I'll start with uh, the coach of those two premierships in 75 and 78, and we lost Bob Hammond recently. But just describe the influence he had on you. Uh, Bobby had, had, a, had a great influence, he, uh, not only on myself, but uh, yeah, it was uh, the adults were in charge of the club. When Bobby was appointed as coach, it was uh, just the, all, the, all the talent was there, but it needed to be marshaled and, and shaped up and pushed in the right direction. And uh, there was a lot of inexperience, and Bob brought a lot of experience to the club in maturity. And uh, just a, he, he had a commercial commercial background um, and knew how to mix and, and uh, be involved with players. And yeah, it was not only myself, but he had a, a great influence on, on Greg Turbel, mm. on Staz. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was. And then he, unfortunately, where uh, you know, he ran his race in in, uh, in in coaching, and he went commercial and uh, went ahead and got involved commercially, and then uh, we moved on from Bobby to uh, Neil Baum, mm, and that was mm. that was another another experience. I I think when you look back, I think a lot of pl- you learn things when the coach moves on. You understand more what the, now I understand what he said because the difference in what people. Now, uh, who's got everything in footy? I think everybody has a as a, a percentage of, of of what the ingredients are, but that's uh, the mix and the experience that you get from coaches. And, and Bob was a great a great uh, influence on uh, on bringing all the thoughts and the training drills together at the uh, at the club. We're we're very fortunate to have him, and the backup man there was uh, Wally Miller. And that's the, that's the backup man, but the he, he had a, he had a, he had more influence on me yes. and, and a whole range of us, and uh, the, the, an amazing an amazing man. We uh, we still most of the guys still keep in touch with him, and it's like talking to him in seventy five and seventy eight. <laughs> his voice is strong. His memory recall is just an amazing individual. Uh, and that's and that's the quality of Norwood, the Norwood people. So uh, been some amazing people go through the Norwood Football Club. I was very privileged to be there and make the right call to go to Norwood in 1970. That that was the second name I was going to mention. The third and final one, another uh, man who we, um, you know, I know has had his, uh, his his own struggles, and you spent a lot of time with him in later parts of of his life. Uh, Polly Farmer, um, who I know was a great influence on you when you were a young lad. Absolutely, I uh, I rang Dean, his son, the other day and said uh, I, I miss I miss Paul and, and Mal. It's uh, just an amazing. Uh, privilege to be involved with him um, and you start when you uh, the impact that he had on people and the whole the whole range of things half of Western Australia buried for Geelong when he went there in, in the early 60s and uh, I was recalling with a mate of mine the other day he we were guests at the uh, Hopman Cup and Paul and I and Ma we got there early and um, it was uh, and the meal was included and they brought the food around for the for the eight people that were there and the four of us particularly Paul brought up in Sister Kate's home. If you didn't eat quick, you missed out. And uh, I spent a bit of time at the club boarding house, so I wasn't letting it get away on me too fast. <laughs> and we ate all the food, and when, our, when the guests turned up, the rest of them turned up, with, uh, they were there for half an hour, they were running a bit late, and uh, they looked around, where's the food? They said, you've already had it. So <laughs> we, it was just a great, uh, yeah, just a great character, great individual, love the man.
a uh, there's a bit of talk going around the Norwood Football Club that they're going to bring back to life Sam's Disco, John, and they're wondering if uh, you might be able to come back as a guest bouncer. <laughs> that'll be that'll be right. Uh, look, I, th- I think all that uh, that form of entertainment, and I think the club is right in what they've done as far as uh, um, their fundraising, their uh, the investment they've got out of Main North Road. I think that's 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 where it's at. I think the entertainment industry has changed dramatically. Um, my son's involved in uh, in that form of entertainment in Adelaide, in, in Melbourne rather, and that's um, yeah, it's a very competitive industry. It's uh, we'd love to do it, but you know, it's uh, I think uh, all all those memories and all those people there. It's uh, you know, 40 years on, 50 years on now. John, uh, it's just so great to touch base with you once again. You're such a special part of uh, this football club. You're such a significant part of football in South Australia, of course, a member of the South Australian Football Hall of Fame. We appreciate uh, you taking some time out to relive what was uh, an incredible chapter in the history of the Norwood Football Club. Thanks for your time on Redlegs Radio. All right, Ben. Thanks much. John Wynn there, the uh, two-time premiership player of the football club. Great to have him on board. Well, that's it for Redlegs Radio. Everyone, thank you so much for your company. We're off to Cooper Stadium tomorrow night. We're hosting the Double Blues. What a massive game it's going to be. Win, we're in third. And uh, we probably put paid to the Double Blues finals chances as well. Look forward to that game. We look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks for joining us on Redlegs Radio. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.